Now stick to the script. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Stick to the Script. I am Shelby Evans, your cigar ambassador to the Brothers of the Leaf with my co-hosts and my great partners of my group. We are here to bring you some knowledge, some background, some information, not only that you can use for yourself, but that you can pass on to others while you learn it and burn it. I'm joined with my partners. I'm April, um, sister of the leaf and your cigar adventurous. And I'm Katan, king of the leaf. Ready to go, let's have some fun. Now settle in as we continue part two of our interview with Russell Blow. Okay. And uh, could you explain for our listeners, what is a certified tobacconist and uh, how long have you been one? And uh, what was the process that it took for you to become one? You've mentioned yeah, that quite so, a few times. Yeah, yeah. So CRT is uh, through Tobacconist University. A guy named Jorge runs it out of New Jersey, um, out of Princeton. Interesting story. I was at Princeton University for a um, education conference and I was going to a taste of uh, Havana uh, in Princeton every day to smoke a cigar. I'm sitting beside this guy. He would come in and we'd talk, we're talking. He's like, oh, I think it was like the fourth day. He's like, just to let you know, I own this shop. I said, oh shit, you do? He's like, yeah. I said, why didn't you tell me in the beginning? He's like, oh, I just wanted to talk to you without you knowing that I own the shop. He said, mm-hmm. when people own the shop, they know you own it, the conversation changes. Great conversation. That was Jorge. He's like, I started Tobacconist University. So I said, what is Tobacconist University? Of course, he's like, oh, you become a certified tobacconist. Uh, CRT was the main one at the time, certified retail tobacconist. And uh, I told him that wasn't a good idea unless you're working in the industry. And uh, he's like, oh, no, but it's always good to have. And I was like, yeah, but you know, if, if I'm selling wine, I need to become a sommelier. Um, if not a sommelier, I need to be a wine captain. I need to become an expert in that industry. If I'm not working in cigars, I don't necessarily need to become a CRT, a certified retail tobacconist. Um, and he was like, oh, well, think about it. That was years ago. That was over, God, that had to be 15 years ago when I met Jorge. Um, I recently became a certified retail tobacconist apprentice. I'm not a retail tobacconist yet. I'm an apprentice. I Mm. haven't taken the exam. The exam is 100 questions. Back in the day, it was 200 questions. You have one hour to finish. It's a time test. You have to get at least 80% on the test. Um, If you want to become a CCT, certified consumer tobacconist, it's 50 questions, still within an hour, um, and a multiple tort multiple choice question uh, tw- test, you have to have at least 80%. So it's through Tobacconist University. Jorge runs it out of Princeton, New Jersey, and uh, he's doing well. You can go to the site. My name is listed as an apprentice. Uh, every tobacconist in the country is listed on there, and he's even expanding out into other countries now. Yeah, yeah. he just did a, uh, an interview via... Uh, YouTube stream live stream with uh, the PCA. Yeah, I was on there. Yeah, I was on there. I actually emailed them right before the um, before the uh, the podcast and uh, the Facebook live and said, "Hey, good luck. You know, follow up with me afterwards." And uh, 
He's like, thank you. I'll make sure I do that. Yeah, we keep in contact. So um, definitely a good tool to have if you plan on staying in this industry um, and if you just want to learn about cigars. Yeah, I, I was on that too. I was um, the one of the two people that asked the question. We'll, yep. we'll circle back on the outtakes and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I, I thought you were going to ask that question. So I was like, I was like, here it comes. Right. But. No, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, I'm sorry. We, we, I, we, we, can, we can wait to the latter point of the, uh, yes, yeah. Um, uh, wait, I'm sorry, Shelby. No, no, no. I, 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 um, I, like I said, it's, it's, you're very knowledgeable in it, and you, you've given a, a wealth amount of, uh, I, I, I can't even, uh, uh, just a, a large amount of wealth of knowledge uh, with your interview as, as we're going so far. And, um, I'm pretty sure our listeners will be thankful for, you know, a lot of what they know. And, and then, and then uh, also with that, you, you named a lot of different types of cigars, you know, and a lot of people know, they may know Maduro, they may know a Robusto and they may know, uh, 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 a torpedo or, or, or Kay's favorite. Kay, what, what is your favorite? Candela. Full bodies, y'all. You don't have a candela, you have nothing, you know. <laughs> oh. So, it, you know, you definitely give us it, but there are a lot of people who don't know the differences of that, and they know they like particular cigars, and mm-hmm. they don't know that, you know, certain cigars bring in certain amounts of airstream while you're pulling on the cigar. Like I just learned that myself. Um, they don't know that certain certain cigars burn slower. They don't know that certain cigars have a certain sweet spot. You know, it's certain things, and those are pluses. Those are those are man diamonds that that folks can take with them because now they're they're going to look at what they're purchasing with a different viewpoint, and they're going to take that and and be able to recycle that knowledge not only for themselves but for those they're purchasing from as well. Right. And it, it, it will help them to be able to determine which which sticks that they would like to have, why they would like to have those 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 cigars. And and that's just, you know, something that, you know, that's 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 a that's a piece of luggage that, that goes with you forever. You know, like people say, you buy a suitcase and you don't buy a suitcase for one trip. You buy a suitcase for life. You know. Right. So that's a piece of luggage that they're, they're really only going to hold on to, and and that those are treasures. And those yeah. Treasures well, are- well, the thing is, you got to keep in mind there are only two modes for cigars. You have uh, Figurado, and then you have Pareo. You only have two modes for cigars. The uh, Pareos are all the cylindrical cigars, so that's everything from a Petit Corona, Petit Robusto, all the way up to a Double Corona or a Churchill. Those are all the circle cigars if you will mm-hmm. um the figurados is everything from a pyramid to um a torpedo to mm-hmm. um a um a calibra so it, it just depends they they uh it's only two modes for cigars the thing is when people and i teach it in the class cigars 101 class the cut is important how do you cut your cigars um, mm-hmm. There are so many ways to cut a cigar. You have the uh, punch all the way up to the straight cut. So it just depends on what 
you're looking for. Straight the straight cut. cut. And I always tell people when they walk in, I always say, what kind of cut do you want? They're like, oh, I don't know. And I say, well, the punch will be equivalent to a water hose. The straight cut will be equivalent to a fire hydrant. The V cut, <clears throat> the cross cut are the ones like in the your middle. Analogies. Yeah, those are the ones in the middle. Always keep in mind the cut will determine your airflow. So right. if I'm smoking a sweet cigar, a moon trance, Eileen's dream, a Tatiana Groovy Blue, a Java. Okay, you talking um, about your cigars. Those are Kay's favorite. That's his favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I always tell people to punch those cigars because you're going to get a concentrated flavor of smoke. Mm. Um, the second one would be a V-cut. It depends. Some people don't like a, a lot of cigar residue that a straight cut gives you, but mm -hmm, a straight mm -hmm. cut gives you a full body of smoke. When you walk into a cigar shop, I always say, do you want something uh, full body or do you want something mild to medium? And they say, well, what does that mean? They say, I always say it's two things. The level of robustness from the smoke and then the nicotine level. And then the third thing, which is not really part of the two, is the flavor that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So if they say, I want a smoky, robust cigar. I know that person wants a straight cut. They usually want a Maduro and they want a large ring gauge cigar. Someone says, I want something sweet, but I want a lot of flavor with it. I know a punch, usually a box press, Corona, or a uh, Toro. So it just depends on what they're looking for. I wouldn't punch an 80 ring gauge cigar. That's too much tobacco for the air to flow through. You'll be right. sucking your lungs out just trying to get the maximized flavor right. of smoke from that cigar. So it just depends on what you're looking for. Um, a lot of people come in and they want to be educated. Right now, V-cuts are popular, straight cuts are popular. I'm sorry, uh, punches are popular because people don't like all that cigar residue once they cut the cigar. Mm -hmm. So I tell everybody, once you cut your cigar with a straight cut, tap it a little bit on your finger to get any extra residue off and then all run right. your thumb over it to get any loose tobacco off. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, so uh, taking that further, right? Straight cut, we got cigar residue, right? You have also your saliva transferring into that stick over the course of time. Um, can you talk about how that changes the flavor profile once you get to that, that, that bottom third or quarter of the stick versus, you know, when you just like the foot uh, and on into the middle of the cigar, right? And, and why that might be, why, why some may like that change of flavor profile because their saliva went into it as opposed to those, you know, are, are not liking it. But, uh, you know, so, but you, you mentioned uh, there's a sweet spot of every cigar. Um, yeah. I like to think that depending on the stick I'm smoking, the sweet spot depends on what I like about that, about right. the stick, right? about the blend. But, uh, but can you talk a little bit about that? Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up, you know, there's a, there's a popular story about there about Fidel, Mr. Castro. Um, and he purposely would allow his, he purposely would smoke and, and chew on his stick so that he would have that saliva transfer. And then when he got down to the, to the last quarter or third of the stick, he would take his glasses sometimes and use the corner of the glasses to pinch it and hold it. Because and, cause he, wanted that, he wanted to finish that end, that very last part of his famous Monte Cristo number twos, which I think that was his favorite. Um, right. But yeah, you talk about the different, the, how, the, how the flavor profile changes as you smoke the stick from beginning to end. Yeah, that's interesting because in the... Uh... 
the uh, CRT uh, textbook, it talks about saliva. It talks about the sweet. It talks about the, um, the sour, all the different tastes in our mouths and how you can eat something. It'll hit a certain part of your mouth and you'll feel that flavor or taste that flavor. So with cigars, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys do this, but whenever you see someone light a cigar, a lot of times they have to spit. When you first start lighting a cigar, they either smoke, or they choke a little bit, or they have to spit. Your body's responding to the smoke entering your body. So it's, it's, a, um, it's a physiological response to smoking. Smoking is foreign to your body. So your saliva, not to get all deep, but your saliva coagulates to protect itself, protect your body from this foreign substance that's coming in. So you'll see a lot of guys at cigar shops or outside especially, they spit a lot when they're smoking because they're trying, the body's literally creating saliva to protect itself. So they spit it out. As far as the moisture in the cigar, that's all in your preference. A lot of people feel like the saliva accentuates or opens up the tobacco to maximize the flavor. I don't like a, a wet cigar. I don't like, I don't like to see people slobbing all over their cigars. It bothers me because I think, um, you know, it, it, it depends on what you're eating, what you're drinking, all of that plays a factor. But I don't, and I heard the story about Castro, but I don't, some people chew cigars. We have people who come in our shop, they buy five cigars a week and all they do is chew the cigar every day and chew it and they never light it. But they like the nicotine. They like the taste of the tobacco. Um, I don't, I like to smoke the cigar and definitely will make a difference in your taste of cigar, the cigar. Saliva travels through your body. It helps process flavors. It helps to process things that are going through. So again, it, it helps to accentuate the flavor of the cigar. I don't know if that, that helps you out, but yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've heard of that referred to as a dry pull for those that, like uh, Sylvester Stallone, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, it's a 50-50 chance if you see him, period, he just has a, he has a stick sitting in his mouth, right? He's probably already smoked it down, but he yeah. just keeps it in his mouth, right? I've heard that referred yeah. to as having as a dry pull. So you, it's there enough for you to still pull through the essence and yeah. keep that essence on your palate, even though it's not lit and you're not smoking. Right? Yeah, so you have a dry pull, you have a cold puff as well. The cold puff is when you first put the cigar in your mouth. I tell everybody when they buy a cigar, before I light it, mm -hmm. take a puff. So you can get used to or your system will get ready for like, oh my God, those notes that I just tasted, what is that? And then mm -hmm. you want that more once you start lighting it. I tell everybody, take a cold puff before I light it or before you light it. I try to create the experience and light for them if I can. Uh, some people like to experience that for themselves. So yeah, you're right. The dry, the dry puff or the dry draw and the cold puff are definitely important in cigar smoking. You said uh, you like to take that, you like to light it for them, but uh, some people prefer that. Um, would you say you like it, uh, you like that done for you, your cigar lit, if that, uh, if that waitress or tobacconist happens to be real, real sexy, you know what I'm saying? And she, you know what I'm saying? She got that thing on, she got that skirt, you know what I'm saying? And she I can't was, watch her mouth. <laughs> I want her. That's what Russell's like. Will you not have me answer this question? Like that for me, baby. Go ahead, hold up. Bend over, like that for me. I do not want you to answer this question. On this podcast, we 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 keep it honest. I like all my own. I like all my own. 
Yeah, no. Bro, so I don't. That's I don't joke, care how bro. pretty. I don't care how pretty she is. I will not let them light my cigar. I won't let, yeah, I won't let them cut it, and I won't let them light it. Let me tell you why. Um, mm -hmm. One thing about being a uh, CRT, um, being a CRT, you're taught how to cut and how to light. Um, a lot of people right now are going back to matches and soft flame lighters because we're toasting the cigar so much so that they're creating tunneling and they're creating canoeing and then they're also taken away from the taste of the cigar. So I don't, I usually light my own and I usually cut my own. That's important because that cigar, once that saliva starts to hit it, it'll loosen up and it'll unravel and create a bad experience for you. Mm -hmm. mm. So, so speak on speak on canoeing and tunneling because I know a lot of people are going to be like tunneling. Where, where, where are we going? Where, nah, I mean, we got uh, lots of weed. We're gonna have lots of weed smokers watching this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they already know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we we get those we get those guys who come in and want to gut out a hand rolled long filler premium cigar. They want to gut it out. And I always say, take buy the cigar and gut it out at your own risk. But uh, canoeing is when your cigar is lit on one side and it's not lit on the other side or it's burning unevenly. That's mm. canoeing. Tunneling is when the inside is burning faster than the outside. Mm. And usually uh, tunneling comes from how it's rolled. So you can roll a cigar through <clears throat> book rolling. You can roll it through accordion rolling or you can roll it just by simply rolling uh, tobacco. If that person's had a bad day, you might get a, a cigar that's been accordion rolled and they didn't press the center well enough to start the roll, so the whole cigar is not gonna be any good. You get that a lot when they're hand rolled um, and it, it's a bad experience. Yeah, you know, I was, I know. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead, Shell. Now, I know normally if I do have, uh, I believe, canoeing, if it happens to happen on one side, and even if you, even if you, as you, as you torch it evenly before you begin to smoke, it, it, it always seems to happen at some point. And even with the finest of the cigars, um, well, my level of finest of cigars, I'm not sure what your level, 4,500 <laughs> level is. So that, that definitely <laughs> my level. that's definitely not my level. But, uh, I know that rotating it always seems to bring it about to work it work itself evenly out. Is that just something? No, that, or is it? Yeah, you can do. You can let it rotate. You can relight it. You can let it sit down and let it catch up to itself, if you will. Um, that's 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 part of of smoking this natural product that's hand rolled. Some of these guys, they come to work, they're tired. They roll 100 cigars in one day. That mm -hmm. 99th cigar, they're like, fuck this. It's time to get off. I'm just going to roll it. And you might be the recipient of that cigar. So it just depends. But usually, just let it sit. You can relight it if you want on the other side. It just depends on, on what you want to do. It's your own preference. Here, um, I don't believe in relighting cigars. So I'll try to cut the part off. I'll cut the foot off where it's toasted, cut it off, and start over again. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's um, you know, and I was uh, I was gonna tell a brief story 
was at the Hotel de National in Cuba. Um, there's a there's a young lady there. He just got back that, <laughs> He goes there every weekend. Yeah, you know. Russ, they got this running joke, man. I don't know. You know. There's a young lady there. I say that with 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 praise. Um, I I think I believe when I met her, she was in her 70s. Uh, she's been wow. uh, she's been rolling cigars for 50 years at the the National. I recommend anybody go to Cuba, make a stop at the Hotel de National. That's where mm -hmm. the uh, they have a Tropicana out sitting outside mm -hmm. for mangoes walking around. But she's you know, you go downstairs and she's down there rolling where you buy the sticks at. Um, and I have a picture with this woman. I I, I, I should have been ready with it to pull it up. But um, she was telling me she uh, she's like Fidel came by when you know when she was much younger to, to taste a stick. You know, she had been in the game. She had been rolling for like 25 years at that point. Um, and she um, and this is a sister. You know what I'm saying? Um, very brown skin, dark skin, dark skin uh, woman. You know. Um, but she, uh, so, you know, she, you know, so we're sitting there, we're talking, she's like, yeah, uh, Fidel, he came by, he came by once just to visit me and, and taste my work. And uh, she said, you know, they were talking and just talking, and he was talking a lot, and his cigar went out, right? And so she, you know, she, she felt nervous. I don't know if she felt nervous, like, you know, she's going to be taken out back and shot, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know what I mean? But she, she said she really got, she really got, like, like, oh, it went out, like, you know, that's my stick I rolled and it went out on him. Um, and, and he, uh, and he looked, he picked it up and he laughed and he took a match, he relit it and kept smoking it. He told her, he's like, this is one of the best cigars I've ever smoked. He's like, this is phenomenal. He's like, I apologize for letting, for talking too much and letting it go out. Right. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so if you could speak to, 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 um, you know, Cigar burn. Um, you mentioned uh, lighting with matches um, versus a torch, uh, and 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 you know, if a cigar goes out, you, you mentioned saving it for later. You 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 cut your, you cut off the ash. You know, I know some people they won't cut off; they just remove as much, and then they'll blow hard through it and keep rolling the next morning. Me, I'm gully. I just pick it up. I, you know, I'm like I'm like. Churchill. Churchill had thousands in the house. He just pick up and keep going. Whatever room he was in, he's grab whatever was close. You know, um, right. he was gully with it. But uh, but yeah, but this the burn of the stick from beginning to end, and uh, you know how well it's rolled, and how you know if it should stay rolled, and for how long. I mean, stay burning, and for how long. So ideally, you should smoke a cigar. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, a robusto is the most popular selling cigar in this country, the Robusto and then the Toro after that. Um, a lot of people are going over to Gordo's and the Gigantes, the 80 ring gauges and all that stuff, but the most popular selling cigar is the Robusto. That should last you a good hour, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, if you smoke a cigar too fast, it becomes a hot box, and that's an industry term. It becomes a hot box where the smoke, is just burning. It's burning so much so, that it's igniting the flavor and you're not getting the flavor from it. So you should puff on your cigar at least every minute, minute and a half. Industry says two to three minutes. You wanna let it rest between puffs. You wanna make sure, <clears throat> excuse me. You wanna make sure that that smoke is staying up with you puffing. You wanna make sure your puffing is staying up with the smoke. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to sometimes let it 
get to the point where it's almost about to go out and you reignite it through puffing it, blowing it out or pulling it in, um, that creates a whole nother experience for you while you're smoking. So um, you want to avoid having a hot box. As far as the matches, you, some people, the old school way is to light your cigar with cedar. You, you light the cedar, mm -hmm. you let the cedar ignite the cigar. Um, torches became popular doing, um, for people who were in war and people who were playing golf, believe it or not. The, uh, back in, I think it was like World War II or one of the wars, Calibri was one of the first people to send out um, torch cigar lighters to the troops so they can light their cigars during the war and it can keep up through the wind. The problem is with torch lighters, it's 2,000 degrees on a piece of paper, on a tobacco leaf. So that will tear your cigar up. If you're smoking a, uh, a sweet cigar or flavor-infused cigar, that torch is going to kill that flavor. So mm. you can get a sulfur-free match. Uh, we sell those here. A lot of tobacco shops have them, sulfur-free matches. Or if you can light your match or ignite your match and let it sit for a second, let all the sulfur burn off, and then put it to your cigar. Um, a lot of things that we do wrong, we put the cigar right on the torch. We put the cigar right on the match. Right. That kills the flavor mm -hmm. of the cigar. So I tell people, hold it back. Just, right. just torch your cigar. You want to toast your foot. You don't want to burn your cigar. Mm -hmm. So um, there are techniques. Some people use them. Some people don't. I smoke about five or six cigars a day while I'm working or between getting up and going to work and getting back. So I don't care how I light it. As long as it's lit, I smoke. So, um, you know, it, everybody has a technique. And the thing about cigars, people don't realize, it's all what you're eating and what you're drinking. Mm -hmm. That enhances the experience. So if I go eat some nachos or if I go eat something very spicy, I don't need a mild cigar. It's not going to do anything to me. It's like smoking a burnt leaf. When you're pairing a cigar, for example, you want to pair a cigar with a spirit that will hold up to the taste. If I'm drinking Macallan 15, um, Cherry uh, cast. Oak, Oak cast, Cherry cast, I want to make sure I'm smoking a cigar that will hold up to that taste. If I sip, I want to be able to puff and taste both of them equally as good or mm -hmm. equally as much. Mm-hmm. Are you yep. cleansing your palate? Since you smoke five a day, are you cleansing your palate between one stick to the other? Um, and I know you may not be, I mean, you've, you've been smoking for a long time, so you're able to pick up on the notes of what you want out of what you chose. Um, but yeah. a lot of you know, our listeners, right, you know, um, they may, that's just starting out, they want to be able to, okay, I want to try these two today. What would you recommend between those two for them to clean, cleanse their palate before they pick up that next stick so that they can judge that stick based off, you know, not off of the last thing that they have still lingering in their, um, in their mouth. Or that prior stick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do, uh, if you're at home or if you're available, if it's available, coconut water cleanses your palate. Um, mm. If you're out at a bar, um, uh, tonic water cleanses your palate. You know, if you're, if you're smoking a stick and it's really good and you want to try something else, get a shot of tonic water. And if you want to go spirit wise, vodka will cleanse everything. 
There's really? no taste of vodka. Vodka takes on the taste of whatever you put it in. So I always tell people, get a shot of vodka to cleanse your palate. It strips your palate. It strips your, uh, your uh, taste notes. It strips it, and then you can start fresh all over again. So a shot of vodka, a shot of tonic, uh, soda water, if you can find it. Um, coconut water is good as well. Yep. We were, uh, we were mentioned uh, chocolate and, 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 and I believe, I think it was a soda, like a Coca-Cola or something of that nature. So Yeah. Yeah, if you go to any shop, they usually have some sort of Coke. Uh, our shop, we have a bunch of Coke. We used to have chocolate, dark chocolate, cleanse right. your palate as well. Uh, any kind of nut, almonds usually uh, will hmm. cleanse your palate. When we do, uh, we had a um, we had a Davidoff training, and the guy brought in the um, the rep brought in almonds and chocolate. And before we went to the next cigar, we had to eat a piece of chocolate, a piece uh, some almonds, and then we went to the next cigar because he wanted us to get the actual the the flavor nuances of that cigar. So those things work as well. But as far as drinking, any kind of uh, anything with a little salt in it will clear cleanse your palate. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So being 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 as though we started on that part, what are your most regularly priced best? Because you know I had to say regularly priced. Let me say it one more time. Regularly priced. <laughs> you probably uh, gonna have to define regular price. <laughs> uh, again, let me let me break that down. Anything under <laughs> twenty bucks, maybe a fifteen dollar. Like name, name me one of your top two cigars, not three, but two, and then name me a pairing for each one of those cigars. Yeah, so that's a good question. People who walk in the shop, they can't afford to, and they probably could afford it, but they don't want to buy a forty-five dollar cigar or thirty dollar cigar. <clears throat> I tell everybody to go to um, LFDs, LFD. Mm. Um, I tell people to go to my father's. My go-to cigar that I've never failed on in this shop is a Padron Classic, the Classic yep. Series from the 2000 to the 7000s. They go with everything. And keep in mind, the anniversary and the classics are the same tobacco. The difference is the anniversaries are aged from 7 to 10 years. So the 90th anniversary has been aged for 10 years. The Classic 7000, which is the Gordo, has been aged for two years to three years. So it just depends. The Maduro's three years, the Natural's two years. Um, but I would definitely pair that with, um, you can go with everything from bourbon to whiskey. It just depends. Um, if you wanna step it up some, uh, right now the Placencias are keeping up with everything liquid. Um, the the, uh, the Macallan 18, the Macallan 25s, those are keeping up. Uh, the the uh, My Father's Labor Jus, Cigar of the Year for 2017. Fantastic cigar. Has a double Oscuro wrapper. Um, full of flavor. Full body cigar. It will keep up with the Macallan. It will keep up with uh, tequila. It will keep up with the martini, a dry martini. So it just depends on what you're looking for and what your preference is. But I usually go to those Padron Classics because they're under 10 bucks. They're under 11 bucks, And it's a great cigar. So, I mean, for the lovers in the room, you know what I mean? When um, Russ and April, y'all about to step, you know, y'all about to step out, have that, you know, romantic night, you know what I'm saying? And you can smoke anything you want, any, any stick on the planet, 
price is not a factor, any stick on the planet. What 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 what's y'all go to for that for that special occasion? Celebratory. <laughs> well, I, I I dig in his box and see what he has. <laughs> <laughs> so the, like, you damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave my damn sticks alone. You got your own. <laughs> it's not as much fun. Um because Russell is someone he doesn't as he's named a lot of brands he doesn't stick to one and like so Russell we just interviewed um Nate who does district cigars and we talked about like reaching for like those boutique cigars what would draw you to a boutique cigar brand um so I'm gonna answer the question and I'll go to your question I like mm-hmm. Padrones man they're consistent um, the 1964 exclusivo is yeah, good. I'm starting to get into the 19, uh, the 35s now, the shorter smokes. I'm smoking shorter cigars now just for the flavor, less filler, so it offsets the flavor of the cigar. Um, but Padron is my go-to when I can do it. When I can afford it, I'll definitely go with Padrones. Um, as far as boutique brands, the owner of the company, Gary Pesh, has said a lot to me he doesn't like boutique brands because they come and go. Every time mm-hmm. he turns around, somebody's starting a cigar. So you have Drunk Chicken right now, Drunk Chicken Cigars. A lot of people are smoking them. <clears throat> so she came here to sell her cigars. They were asking, what is your wrapper, binder, filler? She couldn't tell them exclusively what was different from everything else. Mm-hmm. So boutique cigars, they come and go. Um, Pete Johnson is doing a good job with uh, Tatuaje. Uh, Roma Craft is doing a good job. Um, those guys, believe it or not, they're still considered boutique cigars, even though they share the farming with some of the larger companies, Fuente, uh, Carrillo. They still are boutique brands because of the number of, cigar, number of cigars they produce per year. Um, I don't really have... Uh, found, I like foundation. I like those, the Tabernacle, the Menelik, um, the Wise Men. I like those Did cigars. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got that out of Russ's box. Come on. I wonder sure where did. you got that one from. <laughs> Damn it. That's the, the, the Tabernacle Nina. Havana Sea, uh, Lancero. <laughs> April, you're so funny. That's the Tabernacle <laughs> Havana Sea. You mean this Lancero. one? Ooh, this one is so good. (laughs) But now, I mean, because I smoke so much, so, you know, and you guys probably do this as well. You walk into a shop and say, I want Maduro's, I want Maduro's. And I've gone through that stage. But what's happening now, I'm looking for uh, cigars with more flavor than punch. So, for example, uh, the Reserva, the Placencia Reserva is an organic cigar. It's the only organic cigar ever made. The uh, mm. Cosesha is uh, one is a good cigar. Um, Reserva. Yeah, the Reserva is good, great cigar, good flavor all the way through. It does the, have uh, great flavor. Yeah, La Apolencia by my father's, good flavor. And believe it or not, the JFR Corojo is an excellent cigar, good flavor all the way through. It's not full bodied at all, but it's good flavor. The Last Call by AJ Fernandez. I was smoking mm. Maduro's, and now I'm smoking a Corojo. The, so right. just, it just depends. Okay. Wouldn't it just cigar organic? 
Mm. Um, so the pesticides that they use and a lot of uh, farms, they will do the, um, where they're taking all of the waste and they're fertilizing it. Um, those guys use no pesticides. They use everything natural. So that's the only cigar that's ever been produced uh, organically. Mm, okay. Yep. Now, with your ash on your cigar, do you allow it to burn as far as it'll burn before it drops? Or do you let the ash drop once it gets maybe like, say, a quarter of an inch long? Maybe so I smoke, when I'm working, I work every day. And uh, sometimes I don't, I don't think about it. I just smoke. Uh, I know one time we went through this phase in the cigar and she's like, look at my ash. I, I have guys sending me pictures to this day. Look at my ash. Russ, look at this. Look at this. I made this work. And I'm like, okay, okay. It's over with now. Um, so they always say the, uh, a well-made cigar, the ash will show. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, but it, I don't care about that anymore. I think uh, it's good. If you can keep that ash going, that's a well-rolled cigar. And uh, yeah, I see Shelby. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to let my ass drop i hate to let it drop but yeah because yeah, that, yeah. that's what i was told as well like if you see if your cigar ash holds longer than an inch then and you can still pull and it doesn't move then like you said it's a well-made cigar and i kind of have looked at some cigars and actually that has swayed me from smoking some other cigars more more regularly than others because of that as I look at that, like you say, it seems like if it can hold to it, to me, I think of it as a, a slower burn. Sure. Yeah, it's a slower burn, but also, too, one thing they teach you in the industry is that that ash insulates the flavor of the cigar. So that's how it initially started back in the day. Oh. Yeah, the, the ash mm -hmm. insulates the flavor of the cigar because it's still burning, but it's burning inside. So mm. once you pluck that ash, the air is getting to it. It's going to burn faster, and it's going to mm -hmm. take away the flavor faster. So supposedly, that's what I've read. That's what I've been taught, that the ash keeps that flavor going. Um, mm. Sometimes you're driving, you don't want ash all over your car. You know, it just depends. Or, or all over your clothes. So it just depends. It's all in your preference. Huh? Yep. All right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, um, I did want to move on to the business side of things since you are, um, you know, a tobacconist in a brick and mortar industry. Um, I just want to be sensitive to your time, man. Um, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, I mean that, that, that COVID, I was going to say COVID again, is out here. So I know you ain't rushing home to your baby. So, <laughs> She's but, uh, COVID free right now. Um. Uh, you know, so, you know, you, you talked a bit about the industry and taxation and um, from, uh, you know, from a business perspective, I mean, share as much as you can, or if you can't, that's fine too. But um, as, as taxes are increasing, right, state by state and, uh, and, and in the U.S. overall, are those also, is that also affecting the price that uh that you guys are, are are using as your price you know to, to raise and lower your prices on your sticks right like um is it, is it similar to you know like a tank of gas right like petroleum you know there's factors that that, that play in there but a major part of a gallon of gas and the cost of a gallon of gas is taxes right um 
So, you know, do you guys in the industry, do retailers or, you know, from your experience, do, do you see that you guys will increase the prices and pass that, that tax on, and, and, you know, at least a portion of that tax onto your consumer by raising yes. the price? Yeah. So um, I can't speak for the owner, but I know for sure we will have to raise. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And keep in mind, this is to keep to take away from the cigarettes and the vaping. They, they're trying to get this younger market to stop smoking. And it's going to impact the luxury cigar brands. Um, so a cigar is 10 bucks. If this goes through, it will be 20 bucks. So yeah, the owner will pass the cost on. Um, <clears throat> right now, the industry is going well. Business is up. All of our stores, all of the owner stores are doing extremely well. Where some of our stores are up 25% from last year at this time. Um, my store, Pentagon, where I manage, we're closed. We've been closed since March 18th. And uh, there are people, one, one of our stores, they average 25000 a week in cigars. Um, Raj, for example, down at the Tinderbox, I think a couple of years ago, he made about 4 or $5 million um, selling cigars. So part of that was alcohol. Unlike our stores, we only have cigars. So it's hard to compare apples to apples. But our store, um, some of our stores are averaging 25000 a week in selling this, this product. People are buying more. Some people are hoarding cigars, concerned about the taxes that might come. Um, and the tax, people fail to realize, they keep saying, well, if, they, if the tax comes, it's going to impact the brick and mortar. It's going to impact cigar sales overall. People are like, well, I'll just order online. It's going to impact those guys as well. Mm -hmm. So cigar prices are going to go up if it goes through. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I, I was... Um... I, I make it out to San Diego every, a lot. Um, and I went out to San Diego, so let's dial back last year. I'm in San Diego, I'm at the spot I smoke at. Buy sticks, I leave that, off that trip and I come, I happen, come back a few weeks later. Um, and so then I walk into the same shop and I mean, prices went up. Average per stick, like six, six bucks. Every yeah. single, right? And this is, and, and uh, so I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on, you know? Um, yeah. And there's, there's uh, two, well, there's three places in particular I buy sticks from when I'm out there. And they all went up, right? So, but um, one of the owners was explaining to me, yeah, you know, it's, it's taxes, man. California decided, you know, that, yeah. uh, that we got to raise these taxes, right? I mean, and, and, and at that time, it was, it was because, it, I think it was, I mean, I'm sure it was a combination of, you know, them trying to cut down on uh, cigarette smokers, right? Uh, and yeah. and it, it was a source of revenue for the for the state itself, you know? Um, you know, I mean, so I, I'm with you. I hope we don't, we don't, we don't turn into like Canada. You know, you go to Canada, you know, spot I go smoke at in Canada, I mean, the average state, I mean, in an affordable state, back last night. Hours, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, so <laughs> he has another brick and mortar out of Canada. He just, you know, he doesn't want to really speak with it right now. You know, <laughs> that'll be all the record. That'll be all the record. There's some funny guys here. There's some funny guys. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, um, 
Yeah, so you, I like that you confirm that it will it will be passed on to the consumer. Like the yep. buck stops on the person that's 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 paying with their pay, you know, pulling out their checkbook to pay, right? Yeah. Um, so I mean, and people will continue to smoke. I mean, guys come in here, they're well versed on the legislation, and they will come in here and they'll say, "I'm still going to buy." People yeah. like, I mean, at, at um at our Potomac Mills store, there are people who are at the shop and April witnessed it one day we drove down there. They're at the shop before we open up. They're helping us set out the furniture outside and they're ready to smoke. Um, I got guys texting me since we've been on the phone, like, man, where can I get a stick from? Um, I need one. So people aren't gonna stop smoking. I don't care what the tax is. Um, this, this whole legislation started because white, young white kids were smoking too much. They were dying from e-cigarettes, from vaping. So they said, okay, so we can't distinguish who's who. We're gonna just go out to everybody. There are no young white kids coming in here buying uh, cigars, you know? So they put everybody, and that's why the PCA separated from the IPC, because they were like, we gotta separate our mission from the mission yeah. of the cigarettes, the e-vaping the electronic cigarettes. They had to separate because they were like, our mission is different from everyone else's. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Gary is uh, very involved in, in lobbying on, the, on uh, the behalf of PCA and the IPCR. So it's, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, hopefully we'll, we'll get somebody from the PCA on. Sorry, Shelby, what's that? P PCA and the IPC, I believe those are the correct initials. Uh, those stand for for those who who. Are oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So the Pre uh, Premium Cigar Association (PCA) those guys specifically lobby for the rights of tobacconists. Mm. Um, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association was not a lobbying arm. It became they have a lobbying arm within the organization. But their goal was to promote, market, and sell tobacco products. So okay. they are, um, they, they both have sort of the same mission, but PCA is a little more uh, sort of focused and honed in on one subject matter or one part of the industry. Yep. Nice. Uh, um, you know, do you, uh, are you alarmed when you go from, you know, say, uh, you, you know, you're at Old Tobacco? Right. Um, you guys are headcount. You said 50 employees, but uh, you're sizable as far as right. uh, a brick and mortar mm -hmm. retailer. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, when you walk into or if you could give us a feel when you walk into just a single owned brick and mortar shop. Right. Small shop or a lounge lounge shop, um, especially ones that don't do not sell alcohol and have mm -hmm. that relief financially from that mm -hmm. revenue stream. Um, you know, do you, and you see that the prices are higher, does, you know, are you alarmed or you, do you understand where that comes from a while? Um, and, and, you know, or maybe, you know, from when you were working at, uh, the, you know, the spot down by the water and transferred over, there was a price difference, I'm assuming. Right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because of, you know, so, um, but, but, you know, when you walk in, like, what are you buying? Right when the prices are higher because they only it's 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 one shop it's and they're 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 in the middle of a city right and their rent is high 
and they got to pay for employees. And if they're nice, you know, they may be paying for a little bit of benefits for those employees. Um, you know, um, can you, you know, give us, give us a feel for that. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the people that watch this podcast and I know a lot of, a lot of my associates, they, you know, they walk into a shop and if that stick is a dollar 50 cents more than where they normally smoke, then they're walking out of there like, man, that place is crazy. They charge yeah. this for sticks, right? Not yeah. understanding the business side of things that in order to keep those doors open, they may have, they may have to, right? You know, yeah. um, what are your thoughts on, on that? Well, I always, I, I literally, I mean, be honest with you, I walk and say, what the fuck is your, why are these prices so high? <laughs> so I always say that, like, what the hell are y'all doing? So, um, you know, if you get a good <clears throat> cigar guy, um, he'll say, you know, I'll say, look, I get this down the road. And you always get some smart ass white guy who's like, well, go down the road then. So, yeah. you know, I, um, you know, I, I'll buy the least expensive if I could. Um, it's hard for me to buy a cigar that's $20 at that shop when I know it's $9 somewhere else. And that happens a lot. Um, a lot. We went to North Carolina and uh, we had to pay $5 to get in. And then we had to buy their cigars and everything was just overpriced. And I, it's like, I, it's hard for me to buy here. I ended up buying something simple like an Oliva. But I was just like this, I can't do it knowing that I work here and knowing the, the wholesale cost of this stuff. I'm like, it's no way in the world I could do it. And I get it, they're trying to run a business, but they can't pay their bills on my purchase. I just won't allow it. Without there being an alcohol component? Yeah. To the location? Um, you know, like, the place wasn't resurrected for me to, for, for me to kick my feet up while, while my wife finishes her shopping, right? It's, 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 it's there. So, so just to comment on that, that, which goes back to how we started. Cigar smoking and lounges and shops is new. The mm -hmm. last 200 years, maybe. If you look back, our grandfathers' grandfathers were only allowed to smoke on the porch. You couldn't come into a cigar shop or a cigar lounge. It was a place where white men went to to discuss politics, to discuss the economy, to discuss their families and future business. That's what they were all set up for. What's happening now, because our dollar is becoming more valuable to these people, make sure you're clear, our dollar is more valuable. Not that we're more valuable, but our dollar is more valuable. So we walk into a shop, they want us to stay there. They may not say it, you may not feel it because of the old attitude that we here. got when we came into cigar shops. But now... Listen, bro, I walk into any cigar shop. I don't care who's in there. Um, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do it with confidence. And I'm going to do it with a, a certain level of assertion to know they know who I am. So mm. I get what you're saying. And that's true. What I try to do here in every shop that I go to is to make sure people are comfortable when they walk in. You know, it's like walking into the barbershop for the first time. Everybody knows everybody. They're joning, they're cracking jokes. They're talking about each other. You walk in, they're looking at you up and down like, who is this guy? It's the you same thing with walking into a cigar shop. Once you sit down, this leaf commonizes or brings a certain level of um, commonality. It brings a certain level of leverage because they always say, well, what are you smoking? Well, what are you right. smoking? 
and that mm -hmm. starts the conversation. Um, I, I get what you're saying and I understand it. I see it all the time. I hate it. Um, there are cigar shops where black people are not wanted. There are cigar shops where black people uh, can take their money elsewhere, but we got to get past that by stepping in there and doing it anyway. Fuck them. Fuck people. Do what you got to do. Go and enjoy your experience. Put your earphones on and, and uh, your buds on and listen to your music or come in and strike up a conversation. So that's just me. And that's what I'm trying I agree. to do. I agree That's with both of you guys. And I have been into, you know, a couple of shops. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go even take it back even further. When I, I remember when uh, JR first kind of like made the space in the in the back mm -hmm. for people to smoke. You know, it, it didn't seem like I would walk in and purchase a couple of cigars, but then I would see people walk straight to the back. And it would seem like, you know, I'm not a part of this environment. I'm an etched part of the environment. So I'm only here for this particular reason. So now that I'm here, okay, move on. Now I agree with you, Russ, as well, because now I've 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 gotten to the place and point where I've said to myself, it's a tobacco shop. I, I don't I don't know y'all, don't really need to know you, but if you want to have a conversation, hey, I'm all well and good as long as we don't get disrespectful. You know, we the leaf is, is a is a is a commonality between the two people. And I think that because our consumership has be has gotten has grown over the last right. ten to fifteen years, that right. they are a little more one aware that we are not just weed smokers. They right. are <laughs> aware that we have some sort of uh, presence, and they are aware that. Hell, just because, and, 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 and naturally, I go in with normally sweatshirt, shorts on, and kicks. So I'm not the average look of your average tobacco smoker. Right, and right. Has, so when they see me walk in, it's just like, oh. And then they, the question is, well, what, what do you, what do you look, oh, man, help you? What are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for what's, what tobacco, what, what's, what stick do you have that's designated to this area, you know, for this region or this, this, this state or this, 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 uh, this spot, like Hoyts. Hoyts has a little back spot as well. Mm -hmm. I would have never known about Ashton had I not sat in the back and the guy was like, well, I'm going to go home and have dinner and I'll come back and I'll meet you at Ashton's. I was like, Ashton's? And he was like, it's upstairs. And I was like, oh, there's a, he was like, yeah, it's like a cigar bar upstairs. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And the other gentleman was like, yeah, you got, you should come back. You should, you should, you and your lady folks should come back and, and sit down and have a drink and cocktail. We'll meet you at like 830. And it was, I guess, because once I started to smoke and they started to have, or, or they started to conversate, I love using that word. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, they, they knew that I had some sort of knowledge base of a cigar and they were like, they were, it was, they were more willing to open said door as opposed to walking in and walking out. You know, you, you never know until you know. And, and and I'm like shit. And my my dollar green too. And if I want to get a cigar, I'm gonna get a damn cigar. If it says no color to loud, then I won't purchase from you. You know, I'll go somewhere else and purchase a cigar. You're not the only one. Matter of fact, I had some from home. But since it doesn't, right. you know, and and I agree, we have to get to the point because we that and that was that 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 slides into the question. I know you have seen. Uh, our consumer dollar 
increase within the black culture over the last 20 years and yeah. definitely increased within the black female culture. Yep. Over the last, you know, 10 years, I would say, you know, in a large number there that we are, that they have to take in account. Oh, well, they are, there is a consumer base here. So we need to figure out how we can make this mesh into one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, so not to get all deep on, on the his, history part of all of this, keep in mind, so we got to think about black people. We've gone through Jim Crow. We've gone through um, all these different things. We're the only culture in this country who have gone through a whole campaign of self-hate. Yes. We've been taught to hate ourselves. So when we, yeah, when we walk into a shop, when we don't know people, we feel exposed. So all self-hatred, our minds automatically gravitates towards negativity. You got to train your mind to not go towards the negative. Mm. And I literally, April will tell you, I literally say, fuck people. I don't care. I'm Russell Blow wherever I go. And I will walk into a shop, I will walk into a store, I will walk and I call people on their bullshit. And I said to the guy the first time I went in, I stopped him. I said, we're not going to talk about stealing. We're not going to talk about black people. I want to know what's a good cigar. Because you seem to be following me to find out what's on my mind. The guy Mm -hmm. started cracking up. He said, oh, wow, that was a good one. I said, no, seriously. I said, you're making me feel like you need to help me. So why don't you help me? Tell me what you got. And now he's on the spot because I'm like, oh, I don't really like Dominican. Show me a Nicaraguan with an Indonesian binder. And he's like, oh, shit. Okay. uh, uh, uh." And now he's like, okay, give me a second. So now he's backed off like, okay, I don't need to follow this guy. Even though he's a smart Negro. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't need to follow this guy. He knows what he's talking about, and he's serious about it. So we come in with this fight in our head as black people, and I get it. It's conditioning. You can call it Jim Crow. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Um, At the end of the day, there's value in who we are from our experience, from our living. Everywhere you go in the world is influenced by black culture. We Mm -hmm. can't deny it. Our food, the way we dress, the way we talk, the way we wear yeah. our baseball caps, the way we wear our tennis shoes, everything we do, they're following us. So I walk in with that confidence, that cockiness, that um, assertive, direct behavior. And even in my job, I do that. So I tell people, when they walk, I always tell people when they walk in, what's your name? Oh, let me introduce you to the people here. Hey, everybody, this is this is Shelby. He usually smokes in D.C. He's here now. Make him feel welcome. All right, Russ. So I make sure that happens to just get rid of all that foolishness. We got a lot on our plate as black people just trying to live from day to day. You got a system that's trying to push you down, a system that's trying to keep you down. And at the end of the day, you're just trying to breathe. So no other culture can survive like we have. And I take all of that into my cigar shops when I walk into them be it black, white, or whoever. Mm-hmm. How do you, and this, this, is, this will be my last question, um, at least before that, outside of the outtakes. Um, I was, 
when I when I smoked in New York, my home my home lounge that I my my home right that's that's what uh, I think in cigar smokers tend to call the place that they smoke at right my home um, was uh, it wasn't that diverse right um, it wasn't diverse at all um, but uh, one thing that I I um, I started to think about after I started smoking there often on a daily basis is um, you know, I noticed that the friends I made there and the family I made there, I mean, I, you know, I, I have family members there that, that I made from being there that, um, you know, were at my wedding, even, you know, um, uh, showed a good life, in, in my perspective, life's about good people, you know, but um, they, uh, they didn't refer to the, the establishment as, uh, as, as, you know, a lounge, right? Uh, they referred to it as the club. You know, so when when I'm in New York and I hit my friends up, I'm like, yo, I'm at the club. Or they were like, oh, you're coming by the club. Um, and you're talking a little bit about history, just to touch on that. You know, um, traditionally these clubs, and they, a lot of them still exist, um, these private clubs were where, where uh, typically men, oh, well, of course men, right? Not even women, but men came to, uh, to get away, to get outside of the, 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 the noise of the world and away from their families, but come together and, and enjoy, not only enjoy the cigar, but to, to talk about politics and figure out what they were gonna do this election. To talk about, uh, and, and also to talk about business, right? And they also, help, you know, to help pro promote each other, support each other, so that they could, they could move forward and make more money, right? And be, and be more, more stable and on whatever, you know, if it was about finances or anything else. Uh, so my, my question that I'm leading to is, you know, um, I do know that in, in, in DC, there are places that you can smoke that I've never been to. Um, there are a few of them. And it, the reason I haven't been there, um, and there's one that I have been to, but they're private clubs, right? Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be a part of some old, club that you know was started in in georgetown in 1800s i, I mean trust me i mean, i don't want to rub elbows like that you know i'm open but I'm, my, my question is not about not about infiltrating that right but uh my question to you is more of do you rush you still with us i'm still here yeah yeah do you know have you been a member of uh, what what's what cigar lounge have you joined and become a member and on top of that, what do you think about private clubs and establishments, right? Because even if these private these private establishments, they're not they're not about cigars, but no, no, eighty percent of the people while they're in there, they're smoking cigars, right? Because they're a private establishment, yeah. they can do whatever they wish. You know, um, I think based on listening to what you're talking about, you know, you you know, this is you saying this is new for us, and I and I agree with you, but we're moving into a space where you know. How do we collectively come together? You know, do you know what? Do we have our own private establishments where, um, especially, and I mean, we can definitely the leaf is the perfect thing to to build that on as a platform on top of, right? But uh, have you been a member of a of of a cigar group? Uh, have you been a member at a cigar lounge? You know, just to have a locker there, or have you been affiliated and have you been to a private? a private establishment, right? A private club, gentleman's club, 
a private gentleman's club where they go, you know, like they really go to and they figure out, you know, I right, how are we going to get Trump out of office or how are we going to keep Trump in office, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but yes. uh, have you, have you, have you been in those, in those spaces? And what do you think? Yeah. Think of that? Yeah, sure. Um, I had a box down at Invictus Cigars. Uh, Malcolm had started and uh, I got in on a box with somebody. So I had a box down there. Um, I've only been to Rex as far as a private club in mm. Old Town. Uh, Old membership town. is 25000 35000 a year, whatever it is. What um, a minimum, what a, what a minimum spend, minimum monthly spend, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've been to those places. Um, as far as what we should do, we should create our own. It's nothing wrong with being exclusive. The problem is when you look at exclusivity, black folks have been disenfranchised so much that we feel like when we do something, we have to bring everybody with us. Mm -hmm. Not realizing socially, economically, we're different.